I'm Miles Kilby, and I want to welcome you to Encountering the Prophetic Podcast. My passion is to help people from all different walks experience God's voice. I believe, along with my guest, that Encountering the Prophetic has the power to change our lives and the lives of those around us. On this podcast, I want to help you learn how to hear God's voice and go deeper in the prophetic to spark change in your life and in others. Let's dive into Encountering the Prophetic now. Even during the worship time, I um, I could feel a lot of distraction uh, in here. And so it was very timely. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, through the month of August, um, on Sundays, I'm going to be teaching and preaching on faith for the next couple of weeks. So um, if you have uh, your Bible with you, turn with me to, um, let's see, Romans, the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. And um, as I was getting ready this morning, I really um, could hear the Spirit of the Lord speaking to me, wanting to encourage people uh, in here today. There's many of you that uh, we've come to the month of August, and throughout 2019 you haven't seen uh, God manifest what you've wanted to see Him manifest. You haven't seen what you've wanted to see happen in this year thus far. And I want to tell you, don't give up. Don't, don't, don't give up the ghost. Amen. God has a plan. He has good things in store, good things ahead of you. And so, you're going to have to persevere and press into the Lord and believe and keep standing. Amen? Amen. Many of you, you, you haven't seen up to this point um, the breakthrough that you wanted to see. You haven't seen the promise come to pass. Uh, the things that God has promised you, you haven't seen it come to pass yet. But I, I want to encourage you. So I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit today about faith to persevere. Some of you, you need faith to be able to persevere and to endure through these things. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So I want, I, want you to, I want to give you a brief introduction uh, concerning faith. I'm going to give you a little foundation of faith. Uh, what is faith? Faith comes from the Greek word uh, that's called pistis. And what it means, what this word specifically means, it means to be fully convinced or persuaded of something. Fully convinced or persuaded. If you're taking notes, write this down. It'll be worth your time. To be fully convinced or persuaded. In other words, you're completely persuaded of something. You're completely persuaded of the truth. Amen. Um, you are completely persuaded of who God is and of his word. Hebrews 11.6. He who comes to God must first believe that he is. That's where faith starts. Faith starts in believing in who God is. Amen. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you first must have to believe that God is. That he exists. That he is who he says he is. Amen? You must believe who he is. So you're fully persuaded of who God is. And you are fully persuaded by the truth of his word. In other words, you take the word of God at face value. What the word says, you believe it. That's what you stand on. Amen? Amen. It also means assurance. 
belief to believe in a word called fidelity. I want you to get this. Faith is supernatural. Do you hear me? Faith is supernatural. There are three realms or dimensions of the supernatural where you connect with God. The first one is faith. To enter into the supernatural and connect with God first takes place by faith. So in the dimension, in the realm of the supernatural, you have faith, you have what we call the anointing or the power of God and the glory of God. The first realm or dimension of the supernatural is faith. Okay, God gives each and every person in here a measure of faith to be able to believe. Now your faith can grow. It can be expanded. God can increase your faith as you believe in him. Your, word, your faith is increased by feeding on his word. Your faith is increased by praying in the spirit. But I want you to give this that faith is supernatural. In other words, it's not something that you naturally come up with. God gives each person a measure of faith. In other words, he gives each person a measure of himself to believe. Amen? So faith is supernatural. When we use the word supernatural, what does that mean? The word super means above, above and beyond the natural realm. Okay, so supernatural means to be above and beyond the natural. God is above time, space, and matter. Okay, God is not constricted by the things of this natural world. God lives outside of time. He lives in eternity. He's not bound by time. He's not bound by the laws of nature. He is above and beyond all of those things. Amen? That's what makes him God. So this is the revelation of a supernatural God. Why is it important that we understand that God is supernatural? Because otherwise we reduce God to being natural and being like a man, like you and I. God is not a man. Numbers 23 says that God is not a man. Numbers 23 verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie nor the Son of Man, that he should repent. So God is, you cannot reduce God down to a natural level. Whenever you make him natural, you make him nice. You make him be like you. There, there, there's people that want God to be like them. <laughs> no, it don't work that way. God, God isn't going to become like you. You're to, you and I are to become like him. We're already like him. We're made in his image and likeness. But we're continually conforming to him, to his image. Amen? So God is supernatural. He's not a natural God. He is above and beyond these things. So let's continue to dig into faith. I want you to understand firmly that faith is completely supernatural. To enter into the realm of God where he is, it can only take place by faith. You believing in first who he is, who he says he is, and what his word says about him and what he will do. Amen. So let's look in the life of Abraham for a moment in Romans, the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. Romans 4, verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found. 
Now let me give you a little background of this in the book of Romans. Romans uh, chapter 1, Paul kind of explains um, the, the kind of the condition of this world. And then what he does is he brings an introduction in the first two chapters, actually the first three chapters, to summarize, to bring every person in the earth, in the world, into this large pot to where he says everyone all needs Jesus Christ by faith. That is the only way that you can be justified. And so he brings a, a very brilliant explanation in the first three chapters to bring people to this conclusion. And so in Romans 3.23, he, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, do you know what forbearance is? It's God not blasting you with his wrath and giving you mercy. A forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. Okay, let me come down because in verse 4, in other words, he summarizes and brings Jews, Gentiles, and everybody else alike to the place that they see that they can only be justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Chapter 4, then he goes in to describing in chapter 4 and 5 of how Abraham is declared a righteous man and he's the father of our faith. So chapter 4, what then shall we say that Abraham our forefather according to the flesh has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? And Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Abraham was declared righteous because of his faith. Simply believing in God. Amen? Amen? So he continues and he says in verse 4, Now to the one who works, his wage is not reckoned as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does, does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing upon the man to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. Verse 7. Blessed are those who, whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Is this blessing then upon the circumcised or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it reckoned while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. In other words, Abraham believed in God, encountered God and believed in him before circumcision. In other words, if I were to ask you, was Abraham a Gentile or a Jew, what would your response be? 
He was a Gentile. Abraham was a Gentile. Okay? Abraham was a Gentile. Abraham's family was, they were pagan worshipers. They were, uh, they were from Ur of the Chaldees. And so Abraham was a Gentile. Where did Jews come from? They came out of the loins of Abraham after God justified him and commanded him to be circumcised. What was the purpose of the circumcision? Circumcision is a sign of covenant with God. Okay? And in the, in, in the scripture here, you're going to see that it also says that his circumcision was a seal of his faith in God. So let me continue here because I'm going somewhere with this. Okay? And so in verse 11, it says, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while uncircumcised. In other words, God said, This is a seal of the faith that you had in me while you weren't circumcised. I marked you, Abraham. I sealed your faith through with circumcision, and I also gave it to you as a sign of covenant relationship that you have in me. Now, every person that comes out of your loins, they're coming through a covenant that you have with me. Okay? So they all came through covenant. In other words, his children were covenant children because they passed through circumcision. It is also how his wife came into covenant relationship with him. And it is how it happens today also. And so in verse 12 it says, the father of, And the father of circumcision, circumcision to, who, to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while circumcised. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. I want you to get this. Because it's going to be through your faith that God takes you to the nations. It's going to be through your faith that God takes you to the world. He gives you the world as your inheritance. Okay. It says in verse 13, For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants. Who in here is Abraham's descendants? Abraham's your father. That he would be an heir of the world. You're an heir of the world, right? Is that you? An heir of the world. Some of you, this is going to hit you like a sack of potatoes in a second. You being an heir of this world. Why? Because God wants to give you the nations of, it, of the earth as an inheritance. Psalm 2. It's one of my prayers. God will give you the nations of the earth as an inheritance. Okay, it says, It was not through the law that Abraham did this, but through the righteousness of faith. In other words, you cannot be a righteous person you cannot come into relationship with God without having faith. Amen. It cannot happen. Amen. You are not a righteous person Amen. until you receive Jesus Christ into your life by faith. 
And so this brings us back. Second uh, Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. The moment that Abraham believed in God, God said, you're a righteous man. You're my friend. You're in relationship with me. God went as far as to say in Genesis 18 that I could not even come and do certain things in the earth unless I revealed it first to Abraham. Okay, we've been looking at that in the school of the prophets. So this is kind of an overflow. Pull it up, Travis, for me. Genesis 18, 17. I want you to see this because Abraham was a friend of God. He came into friendship with God first through believing in him and God declaring him a righteous man. Genesis 18.7. This is when God was about to come and judge Sodom and Gomorrah. No, Genesis 18.17. 18.17. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? In other words, God said, I cannot even do this unless I first tell him. When you are righteous, when you are a righteous person, when you are a person of faith, God cannot do anything in the earth without telling you first. You, in other words, you have influence with God to, to the point that he says, I can't do anything unless I tell him first, unless I tell my friend Abraham. And so... The righteousness that results by faith. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? God said, He's my friend. I can't do anything unless I tell him. I have to tell Abraham first. Why? Because he's a righteous man. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. When you believe in Christ, how do you believe? The scripture says in Romans 10 that you can't believe unless there's a preacher that preaches to you. In other words, you have to hear the message of the gospel. You have to hear the message of the gospel. You have to hear about Jesus to receive him into your life. When Jesus is revealed to you through the preaching of the word, through the scriptures, or through a man or a woman of God preaching the word to you, or through Jesus himself appearing to you, then you believe in him. You believe in Christ. You receive him into your life. The moment that you believe, God says you're a righteous person. What does it mean to be righteous? It means that you are a friend of God. You are in right relationship with God. You're his friend. We have any friends in here? Okay. God declares you righteous. In other words, at the cross, what did Jesus do? 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who did not know any sin. Jesus didn't know sin. He didn't know what it was like to lie. He didn't know what it was like to fornicate or to commit adultery. He didn't know what it was like to be sick. He made him who knew no sin to become sin. Jesus became sin on the cross. He bore all of our sins and sicknesses, diseases of the entire world upon the cross. 
Do you know that everybody on the face of the earth, their salvation has already been purchased? All they have to do is to receive the gift of life. Everybody out here that hasn't received Jesus yet, they haven't put their faith in him yet. Their salvation has already been purchased. They're waiting for Jesus to be revealed to them. The message of the gospel, that's the good news. Jesus died for you. It's like on Christmas morning having a present under the tree and you don't go open it. And so it's already been purchased. Jesus has nailed your sins to the cross. He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might what? That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. You might become the righteousness of God. No longer are you far from him. No longer are you in darkness. But now you have come near to Christ. You've come into him. You've been declared a righteous person. So what we call that, we call that the divine exchange. It's the greatest exchange in history in the universe. On the cross, Jesus took all of our sins, sicknesses, diseases, everything upon himself. And in exchange, he gave us his glory. He gave us his righteousness. He gave us his wealth. He gave us his joy. He gave us all of these things. That's called the great exchange. What Jesus accomplished at the cross. We put our faith. Where does faith start? At the cross of Christ. Your faith, the foundation of your faith is Jesus Christ and him crucified. The, the foundation of your faith and my faith is the cross of Christ. This is also the source of the supernatural power of God, the cross of Christ. This is the foundation of everything that you and I believe as Christians, the cross. You can preach the cross through the entire Old Testament if you wanted to. Because the entire Old Testament was pointing to a cross, was pointing to Jesus Christ, to a person. Amen? Amen. Romans 5, Paul continues on and he starts off saying, Therefore, having been justified by what? By faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope for the glory of God. By faith you've been justified. By faith you've been declared righteous. So what am I wanting to do today? I'm wanting to encourage you in your faith. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to be encouraged in your faith. I want you to be built up in your faith. I want you to be strong in your faith. Look with me in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Hallelujah, starting in verse 29. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, 
you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you show, showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence or your faith, which has a great reward. Bear with me just a second because I want to read this to you uh, in a different uh, translation than what this says. For you did not sympathize, verse 34, for you did not sympathize and suffer along with those who were imprisoned, and you bore cheerfully in plundering of your belongings and the confiscation of your property and the knowledge and consciousness that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. Do not, there, do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. I want you to understand what's going on right here, what he's saying. In other words, Paul is writing, I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Paul is speaking to Jews. And he is describing to them in this chapter that there is a new living and better way that they are no longer required to bring a sacrifice and that they're trampling underfoot the grace of God by thinking they need to bring another sacrifice for their sins. So he says, I'm here to tell you that you don't have to bring another sacrifice. Jesus Christ is the sacrifice for you. Look at verse 26. He says, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for our sins. What does that mean? Listen to what he continues to say. He says, But a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of the fire which will consume the adversaries, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? In other words, he's describing to them that they're still believing in an old covenant system which they go on sinning so they think that they need to continue to bring sacrifice. And Paul's saying, no, 
when you go on sinning, you don't need to continue to bring a sacrifice. In other words, when you do that, you don't have faith in the one and only sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the righteous one, and you're trampling underfoot the spirit of grace. He said, you don't need to do that anymore. You're still operating in, an, in the old covenant. You're still trying to bring sacrifices for your sins. You don't need to do that. He said, it's not necessary. He said, you're insulting, you're trampling underfoot the blood of the covenant and you're insulting the spirit of grace. That's what happens when you don't believe in the work of the cross and what Jesus accomplished. You insult the spirit of grace. Okay, and so he's encouraging these brothers and sisters. And I want you to primarily focus, I want to come down to verse 36. Verse 36. Hallelujah. Actually, in verse uh, 35, he says, So don't lose your bold, courageous faith, for you are destined for a great reward. That's, this is in the Passion Translation. You need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will, and then you will receive the promise in full, for soon and very soon. The one who is appearing will come without delay. And he also says, my righteous ones will live from my faith. This is Paul began to quote Habakkuk 2. In this translation, it says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence or in, in, or in other words, your faith which has a great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what was promised to you that's what I want to encourage you today because many of you you haven't seen what you want to see manifest you haven't seen the breakthrough that you want to see and I want to tell you do not throw away your faith don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your faith in what Christ has already done and accomplished. Don't throw away your promise that God has given you. Don't throw it away. He says it has a great reward. He says, for you have need of endurance or perseverance. In other words, you have to persevere. And what I want you to understand is these verses are all leading up to Hebrews 11. And what he describes in Hebrews 11, what you have to understand about the scripture is that they didn't add chapters and verses until about 300 AD. And so before that, this was all just one letter that you read along. There weren't breakups and headings. There weren't chapters and verses. It was just one continuous letter. So if you read this continuous, it flows. If you read these scriptures, he begins to talk about faith in verse 35, and it flows in to the 11th chapter of where he describes all these people's lives who overcame by faith. 
So Paul begins to tell them, Therefore do not throw away your faith, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance or perseverance. In other words, you have to continue to persevere. You have to continue to press in to God. You have to continue to believe God. You have to continue to stand on His Word. You have to continue to believe that what He promised you is coming. And it's going to come to pass. You cannot give up the ghost now. You cannot stop now. You cannot stop believing. He says your faith has a reward. But He says what you need is endurance. He said what you need is perseverance. He said you can't stop now. For what you have need of... No, he says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised to you. Then in verse 37, he quotes the Old Testament Scripture. He says, For yet in a very little while... I want you to take this word and take it like it's yours. He says, For in a very little while, he, is who, he who is coming will come, and will not delay. What has been delayed in your life? Jesus is about to come. Jesus is about to come. Jesus is about to come and fulfill it. Many of some of you, you've been experiencing delays. This promise has been delayed. This has been delayed in my life. This has been delayed. But he Paul said, for yet in a very little while, he is who. He who is coming will come and will not delay. Listen to what he says in verse 38. But my righteous one shall live by faith. He said, my righteous ones shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. You can't shrink back right now. You, you can't go backwards right now. You have to keep moving forward. You have to have a forehead of flint. You have to set your face toward Jesus. You have to set your face toward the cross. You have to stand on faith in the Word of God and when Jesus has already spoken to you and continue to press on into what God is wanting to do in your life. Amen? So he says, My righteous ones shall live by faith. And, it, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. You cannot shrink back in this hour. You have to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Continue to press on. Continue to press into him. Continue to follow after Jesus. Continue to live by faith. You have to live by faith. And so we want all these things to come to pass. We're wondering why this hadn't come to pass. We're wondering why this hadn't happened. We're wondering why this hadn't happened. We're wondering, we're wondering why we hadn't seen Jesus do this. We're wondering why we have all these delays in our life. Delays, delays, delays. But I want to tell you, there's faith that's going to rise up on the inside of you. There's a stubborn faith that has to continually stand and press into God to see the breakthrough come. And so, I want you to see where Paul goes with this. Uh, 39, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction. 
That's what happens if you shrink back. If you don't continue to walk by faith. If you don't continue to press in by faith. He said it will lead to your destruction if you shrink back. But of those who have faith to the preserving of preserves and restores your soul to those who walk by faith in him. Then he goes, just take out the chapter and the verse. Because this just flows into Hebrews 11. Then he tells you what faith is. Now faith is the assurance or the substance of things that are hoped for. It's the conviction of things that are not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the world's were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Then he goes on to describe to you all these powerful men and women of God, men and women of faith, who did not shrink back but continued to press into the promise. They continued to stand in faith in the midst of persecution in the midst of troubles, challenges, things that they were facing, delays. So I want you to think about what challenges that you're facing. What is the giant that's in front of you? What is the mountain that is in front of you? How are you going to conquer this thing? You're going to conquer it by faith. You're not going to conquer it by the anointing. You're not going to conquer it by this. You're not going to conquer it by that. You're going to conquer it by faith. You're going to conquer it by standing in faith and trusting God. You're going to conquer it by standing on the Word of God. You're going to conquer it by obeying the Word of God. You're going to conquer it by doing what the Word of God says. By exercising faith. And so he goes on. He says, by faith offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God." And now, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of, by God about things not yet seen in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. In other words, everything that you're going to accomplish in God, everything that you're going to receive from God, your entire life is a life of faith. It is a life of continually believing in God. Faith is persevering. Faith has to persevere. Faith has to endure. When you face challenges, when you face opposition, when you face persecution because what you believe in, you have to stand up and stand on the Word of God. You have to stand in faith and declare that you are a righteous one, that you are, the, you are a friend of God. 
that you are not going to back down or shrink back. But you're going to stand on the Word of God because you have conviction of who God is. You have conviction of the truth. You have conviction in your heart of the Word of God. You're not going to compromise. That's what shrinking back is. That's compromising. You're not going to compromise. You're going to stand in faith. You're going to stand up when everybody else is sitting down. You know, you're going to stand up for what's right. You're going to do what's right. But you have to have faith. Your faith has to be stubborn. You cannot just think that, you know, everything's going to be okay and la-da-da, whatever, twiddling your thumbs. You have to do something. You have to take action. Because faith is not passive. Faith is active. Faith is not a spectator. Faith participates. You can't just be sitting on the sidelines and think God's going to do everything. You have to step up. You have to live by faith. You have to do something. You have to declare the word of the Lord. You have to stand up and begin to prophesy what God is saying. You have to be bold. These people weren't shrinking back. They were bold. They were bold as lions. The Bible said that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Some of us, we're acting like little kitty cats. We need some lions in here. We need somebody to step up and roar loud. That means you believe. You have faith. You're fully persuaded of the truth. You don't back down. But you stand strong. You need a backbone of steel. That's what we need. Amen? Amen. We need it in every area of society. We need it in the school. We need it in education. We need it in Hollywood. We need it in the uh, media. We need it in government. We need it in all these things. In family. All of these different arenas. We need people to stand up and be bold. So you need to have bold faith. Actually, one of these translations says that you have bold faith. But I want to tell you, like Paul said right here in verse 36 of chapter 10, for you have need of endurance. You have need of perseverance. You want just a pretty message and to go home and watch TV. No, you need endurance. You need faith that's going to stand up when the, when the trial comes. You need faith that's going to stand up when the storm comes. You need faith to stand up when all hell breaks out on your marriage. You need faith when your children come under attack. You need faith to stand up against it. To stand up against the attacks of the enemy. You need faith. And so we need people to be strong. That's why in the book of Jude, Jude 1 verse 20, it says, Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Building up your most holy faith. Building yourself up in your most holy faith. He says you have to build your faith up. So that you're strong. So that you can face these things. What are you strong in? What are you strong in? Are you strong in the Lord and in the power of His might? Are you strong in the Word of God? Do you have strong conviction? Are you easily persuaded by other people are you easily turned from the truth are you easily persuaded by politicians 
that lie to you. <laughs> that all they're talking about is, is 90% of it's probably lies. <laughs> there may be 10% truth in what, half of what they say. It's true. But what are you listening to? What are you entertaining? Does anything of what you're listening to line up with the Word of God? I mean, people walk around just like they're programmed by stuff. I mean, it's the strangest thing. It's, it's strange. It's like little robots walking around or something. Because all, all we're doing, listen to these other voices. And you wonder why you believe half of what you believe. Why is there so much unbelief in you? Why is there so much unbelief in your life? Because your life is full of the wrong voice. Your life is full of the wrong word. you got to be filled with this word, with the Bible, with the Scripture, with God's Word. You're too busy listening to other voices. All these voices are so loud out here. You're easily persuaded. How well do you know the Scripture, the Word of God? This is the foundation of your faith. This is the foundation of what you stand on. Jesus Christ. Look with me at uh, Isaiah 40, verse 31. You have need of endurance. You need to endure. Isaiah 40, uh, verse 31. Actually, I'm going to start in 29. He gives strength to the weary... And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Yet those who wait for the Lord. The word wait in Hebrew, what it means, it means to be intertwined into something. It means to be twisted into something, like twisting a rope, like making a rope, like a three-bound cord. That's what the word means. So what it means, for those who are entwined in the Lord, those that are are intertwined with God. A three-bound cord is not easily broken. In other words, you're intertwined with Him. You're intertwined with the presence of God. That's what it means to... We, we think of waiting as waiting in a line or something, or sitting down. That's not what this word means. The word means for those who are intertwined with God, you're woven together with Him. For those who are intertwined with the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. When you become intertwined with Him, this whenever you read this in an English translation, it makes you think of something passive. And this scripture is not passive. Okay? That's why I'm, I'm trying to give you a more correct translation. Yet those who are intertwined with God, 
intertwined with Him. They will gain new strength. You need endurance. You need strength. You need to be empowered so that you can mount up like an eagle. That you'll run and not get tired. You will walk and not become weary. That's the endurance that God gives. This is not passive, but it is actively worshiping God. Actively worshiping Him. For those who will intertwine themselves with God. God is going to renew you. He's going to give you new strength. He's going to refresh you. You're going to run and not grow weary. You're going to be like an eagle soaring. Amen? Amen. So actively worshiping Him, being intertwined with Him in your worship. The word He shared, it was on the mark. Because it was the same thing I was hearing in my spirit while we were worshiping. Whenever you come into a place to worship God and your mind is full of distraction, you have to get distraction out of your mind. You have to learn how to focus on Jesus. The eye of your mind is fixed on Him. Because everything around us is trying to distract Him. The distraction tries to keep you out of entering in to the presence of God. The distraction also keeps you from feeling His presence. At times I've been in worship services where distraction was trying to flood my mind. And in those moments it was like I couldn't feel Him. I couldn't feel His presence. But the moment that I intentionally put my mind on Him, everything changed. Everything shifted. So in our mind, in our hearts, we have to fix our eyes on Him, on Jesus, the one that we're worshiping. It's like what He was sharing. If our mind is on all these other things, if our mind is on this over here, on that, we're not fixed on Him in true worship. Okay, so the distractions, the distractions keep us from encountering Jesus, experiencing his presence. The enemy wants to distract us from experiencing him, to keep us from experiencing him. In other words, he doesn't want us to feel God. He doesn't want us to experience God. You know that you can feel God? It's a nice thing to be able to feel Him. Okay? It's good to be able to feel God. So those who worship and are intertwined with Him, you're going to get new strength. You're going to get endurance. How many of you in here, you're coming, we're coming toward the latter part of the year, and this year hasn't been what you wanted it to be? You can be honest. This year hasn't been what you wanted it to be. Things haven't happened that you wanted to see happen. You were let down. You're disappointed. You know what some of the tactics of the enemy are? End time tactics of the enemy. Last day attacks on God's people. Disappointment. Disappointments. 
You have to learn how to deal with disappointment. You have to learn how to deal with distraction. Distractions. Disappointments. Accusations. Offenses. I would say probably the top top the top three that I'm seeing are disappointment, distraction, and offense. You have to learn how to deal with all of them. If you don't, they'll cripple you. They'll take you out. They'll cripple you. Why are you offended with people? And you say you know Jesus? Really? The moment offense comes, you don't take it up. You ever heard the saying, take up an offense? What does that mean? When somebody says that, when somebody has taken up offense, that means that they've taken hold of it. They've taken ownership of it. The moment you take ownership of something that is not for you to own, you ever own something that you shouldn't have owned? Have you ever bought something that you shouldn't have bought? I'm being serious. I can think of some things I've bought I shouldn't have. I know some of y'all are all innocent or whatever. And you took ownership of something that you shouldn't have owned. I'm, I'm for real. There are things in the Spirit that you should not take ownership of. Offense is one of them. Don't take ownership of it. When it comes, you reject it. You reject it. Somebody gets offended with you, you forgive them immediately. Some kind of offense or rejection comes, you forgive immediately. You forget when you walk in love, when you walk in the love of God and in forgiveness, you forgive them before the offense even happens. They're already forgiven. It's automatic. You don't even think twice about it. Your automatic response is forgiven. I love you. I'm operating in love. Forgiven. That's how you have to be. It's automatic. You don't even think twice about taking up an offense. So these are the things. Why am I talking about this? Because you're getting worn out. You need endurance. These are the things that the enemy sends to wear out the saints. Distraction, disappointment, offenses. He sends these things into your life to wear you out. When these things come against you as an attack, they keep you from entering into his presence and being strengthened and refreshed. So they wear you down. They're weary. They weary. It wearies you. But the Lord says, no. You can't have that. You can't have it in your life. So you're going to mount up with wings as eagles. Amen? You're going to run and not get tired. You're going to walk and not become weary. Praise the Lord. Do you believe it? Amen. Hallelujah. The just shall live by faith. Amen? I really want you to get that deep in your spirit. 
that you have been you have been declared righteous by Jesus Christ. In other words, you've been declared righteous because you believe in him. Because you trust him. Because you have faith in him. God says you're a righteous person. You know, one of my favorite scriptures says the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered of the Lord. You know, most of the time I don't know every single detail of every step that I'm going to take. But every day I trust God to lead and guide my steps. Why? Because I'm a righteous man. God directs my steps because I entrust myself to Him. I don't have to know every detail. It's like Abraham. He, he left and went out not knowing where he was going. He didn't know where he was going. But he was a righteous man. He was following the Lord. He didn't know every step. So we're going to pray now. And I want you... Just any disappointment that you've had, any distraction that you've been dealing with, anything that you need to release to the Lord and just give to Him, all these things are trying to keep you from being renewed and refreshed by God, not having an experience with Him. They're wearing you down. But you're saying, I need a touch from God. I need Him to touch me. I need God to refresh me. I need Him to renew me. If that's you, I just want you to get up. Just just stand to your feet. And just begin to worship Him. Right where you are. You say, I need God to touch me today. I need Him to, to do something fresh in me. Thank you for joining us on Encountering the Prophetic. Subscribe to our podcast to receive more powerful teachings that will equip you to live a victorious life. For more information about our ministries, go to www.mileskilby.com. You can also follow me on social media to receive daily encouragement and prophetic words on Facebook by searching at Miles Kilby Ministries or on Instagram by searching Miles underscore Kilby. We'll see you on the next episode of Encountering the Prophetic.